Amen. We believe today that God is going to do his work in this place. That's what I'm praying. And I want to preach a simple message that no doubt has been preached from this pulpit many times over the last several decades. But I want to preach this message. There's always room for more. There's always room for more. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 reads, and I know that you know this, you can quote it with me, you can read it with me, but I want to insert this right at the top. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, everybody say is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God. We're going to stop right here. Everybody say with all, with all. God today, he is after all from his people. God is after all. And we talk about that a lot. And we, 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 feel that, we feel that burden and that weight as Jesus calls us to follow him and give all. But we cannot forget this morning, we cannot forget that he already gave all to us. He's not asking us to do something that he has not already done. And so today, God is in this room. His presence is in this place. And he is ready to give you more this year than you've ever had before. If you believe that, lift your hands. Let's pray together. Lord, Jesus, we pray that you would speak to us today. Come on, pray with me. Lord, let your word guide us. Reveal your nature. Reveal your will to us. Let your spirit do its work in this place. Heal our brokenness. Lift our spirits. Fill this room. Flood our hearts with your grace. And let your will be done. Somebody pray it with me. Let the working of your spirit, let the working of your spirit be evidenced all around this room before we leave this house. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. You can be seated this morning. God bless you. Today, I want to preach a simple message. And I want to point every person in this room back to Jesus. I want to point you back to the king of the kingdom of God. And by the end of this message, I want to tell you what I believe and what I desire for God to do. I believe that every person in this room, every person in this place can have one more. And I know you've had a lot over the course of your walk with God, but maybe there's somebody that's new today. But I believe that every person that came in with the need can have one more life-changing moment with Jesus. And Jesus can help you. Jesus can encourage you. The presence of God will lift you. Somebody say amen. amen. And God is in this room to reassure somebody that he is everything that you need. And he's more than that. Everybody say, everybody say, everybody say, I'll have some more, please. I'll have some more, please. Humans, human beings, we are wired to want more. We're wired to want more. Survival instincts. Social comparisons, cultural influences, our own ambition, fear of scarcity, all of these things and a lot more are, are factors in to wanting more of whatever it is that we are fixated on at the moment. And this concept of us wanting and desiring more is not a new concept. People have a long history of wanting more. Let me give you five quick examples. I want you to think about Eve, the first woman, tempted by the serpent to have something more than the all. I want, I'm not going to get into the story, but she had everything 
and there was something in her that wanted more than something that she had at the time. We're going to go from Eve all the way down into your house. I want you to think about your children and kids. We raised five kids. I've got some corn in the crib on raising children. There's something about a child that wants more. No matter what a kid is given, it could be candy. It could be money. It could be a later bedtime. It doesn't matter what you give them. Their instincts kick in and inevitably they want what? They want more. And it's so easy to pick on kids, but uh, I'm going to bring it even closer. I want you to think back to just a few weeks ago. The holiday, how many remember the holidays just a few weeks ago? Those desserts that were over there on the table. <laughs> Cookies, cake, pie, whatever grandma was making, stacks and stacks of it, that extra slice of pie. You know in your spirit that you did not need that extra piece. But something inside of you triggered. And you said, I'll have some more, please. Now, that's a very personal matter, and I'm going to get right off of that because we've all experienced that. For me, and for probably based on where I am today, I'm, I'm assuming that for others, it's fishing lures. How many have some type of issue with fishing lures and you just want more? Are any fishermen in the house? Am I the only one? If you're a fisherman, raise your hand. I don't need any more plastic worms. I don't need any more spinning baits. I don't need any more fishing rods. I have a friend, I went to his house when I first picked up fishing again about three or four years ago, and the dude had 49 fishing rods in his garage. We counted them, 49. I don't need any more fishing lures. I have an entire cabinet and several bags full. But a few weeks ago, right after Christmas, a guy I barely know texted me a picture of the Walmart bins and said, hey man, I know you're a fisherman and they have all these lures on sale. They're like on clearance. And I zoomed in on the pictures and I began to circle and, and I took screenshots and I sent it back and I said, I need another pack of 40 worms to add to the 289 worms that I have in my cabinet right now. There's something in us that wants more. What about the parable of the rich fool? In Luke chapter 12, Jesus asked, he's asked to intervene in a family dispute over inheritance. And instead of Jesus directly addressing this legal matter, Jesus shares the parable of the rich man whose land yielded a, an abundant harvest. And this harvest was more, everybody say more. It was more than he expected, and it was definitely more than he needed. And so this rich man faced this dilemma, what to do with this surplus. And he decided, you know the story, to tear down his existing barns and build larger ones to store the more that he had been given. He believed by doing this that he could secure a worry-free future. He said, and you know this lyrical line, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God calls him a fool. Why? 
because he was only focused on amassing wealth, on getting more, and he failed to consider the bigger picture, his relationship with God and the needs of those around him. So Jesus begins teaching this truth that wealth or truly having more in your life is not measured by our material possessions, but it is measured by our relationship with God and our generosity to those that are around us and our willingness as the people of God to be thankful and to be content with what we have in him. The desire for more can be a positive and the desire for more can be a negative. When it's aligned with God's will, ambition for improvement, it always leads to personal growth. But there is such a thing as an unchecked pursuit of more just for the sake of having more. And when you begin to live that kind of lifestyle, usually it results in stress and discontentment and you have negative consequences in your life. So as Christians, our ambitions and our goals and our dreams and our desire to have more, no matter what it is, it has to be balanced with godly contentment. I'm laying a foundation this morning. There are so many examples in the scripture from David in Psalm 37 talking about God giving us the desires of our hearts. How many are thankful that God gives you the desires of your heart? To Jesus teaching us to seek first the kingdom of God and then all these things. Everybody say more. more. All these things will be added to us. To Paul teaching in Philippians chapter 4 about the importance of finding contentment. Not in the external conditions around us, whether it's more or less. Or not in our material wealth, whether it is more or less. But Paul teaches being content in this deep deep spiritual relationship with God. The Bible is full of warnings and the Bible is full of wisdom concerning more. So we have to take Jesus at his word at the beginning of 2024. Take him at his word. I promise you, if you'll take him at his word today and you will seek first the kingdom of God and seek the king of the kingdom of God, if you'll get as close to him as possible, God will give you the more that you are looking for and he will give you more than you ever knew about in Jesus' name. So we're going to talk about Jesus for the next few minutes. He comes into the world, God manifest in flesh. He is the eternal God. He is the one from the beginning. He, he is the one that will be there at the end. Jesus Christ, the word made flesh, fully God and fully man. For in him dwells all Everybody say all. All the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Jesus is born in Bethlehem. He is born in an imperfect place among imperfect people. He is born among people that are set in their ways. How many know somebody that is set in their ways? <laughs> Jesus is born among people that are set in their ways. They are set in their sin. Remember, it's Jesus who said, I came to seek and to save the lost. I came to save my people from their, everybody say sin. 
But he is born among people that have also been set in their religious ways for generations upon generations upon generations. So we go back from Jesus' birth and we go back one generation and we go back two generations and we go back three or four generations. And sometimes we think in our religious subculture that we're set in our ways. We don't have a clue. These people were set in their ways. Seven generations. 20 generations. 23 generations. You can go back 35, 45, up to 52 or 54 generations, depending on how you count it. We go back to the beginning of a people. To the beginning of a nation, we go all the way back into the history of these people that Jesus said, I've come to seek and save. You have fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles, grandparents and great-grandparents and great-great-great-grandparents. And the list goes on and on. We travel back in time. And through all of those people, we see a common thread that can be pulled from any one of these people, from any one of these families. And this thread goes all the way back to the cornerstone of our belief system. It goes back to Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4. And Moses penned these words, inspired by God himself. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou, you shall love him with all. Everybody say all. With all. And I want to pause right here as we look at this year, as you look at your life, as we, as, we, as we look into the future. If we are a people that are truly open and honest before God today, until we get to the place where we are loving God with all, there is always going to be room for more of him in your life. Until you get to the place where you are fully compliant and you are fully obedient to Deuteronomy 6.4. Are you big enough? Am I big enough to admit? Am I secure enough in my relationship with God to admit? Am I honest enough to admit that until we get to the place where we can say, I have given all, then guess what? There's always room for more. There's always room to give more. There's always room to worship more. There's always room. I don't care who you are today. There's always room to sacrifice more. There is definitely always room for the people of God to look around their life and just love somebody more than you've ever loved them before. There's always room. Somebody say there's always room. There's always room for more. So we look back 40, 50 generations and we look and we end up in the days of Jesus and every Jewish man and every woman and every child that was alive at the birth of Jesus Christ. They had one thing ingrained in them, embedded in them, branded in them, I don't know, implanted in them. I don't have to, I, I got to move along, I don't have time, but it was there when they woke up in the morning. That sentiment, that call. That deep word of God that made a nation who they were. It was in them. They said it in the morning. They said it in the noontime. They said it when they laid down at night. They put it on their doorpost. They wore it on their body. There is only one God. And we are a people that are supposed to be loving this one God with everything. And we are supposed to shun all others. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. 
And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Jesus repeating these words generations later, he added the word mind. God is after your mind today. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, God's after your mind. They were told, disavow any other God. Tear down any other idol. Take down any other thing that exalts itself against this one true God, Jehovah. But now, all of a sudden, Jesus shows up on the scene. And Jesus begins to reveal himself with these famous words, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And Jesus comes in and he shatters their conviction. And he sends shockwaves through the religious world. He describes himself and reveals himself in a way that is completely countercultural to what they believed. Or, or, or Jesus actually is the fulfillment of all of these prophecies that they had heard for hundreds of years. Jesus makes a truth claim. He says, I am the way. I am the truth that you have been taught. I am the truth that has been revealed to you as the people of God for 40 to 50 generations. He boldly proclaimed all of the fullness of the Godhead dwells in my body when he stood there in front of them and he said, I am that I am. And sometimes we hear these progressive descriptors that come out of the mouth of Jesus the way, the truth, and the life. This is a progressive description. Everybody say the way. The truth and the life. But, but sometimes we just like to experience him as the way. A lot of people are hooked on Jesus as just being the way, the way out of their troubles, the way out of their problems, the way out of their situations in life. But when we as a people begin to move and understand Jesus as the truth, the truth of who Jesus is will set us free. And you will never be free until you believe him as the truth. The only way to live an overcoming life this year. Some of you are wondering, I want to have a different year. I want to have a different experience. I'm telling you right now, the only way is to embrace Jesus as the truth. So we have to walk in truth. We have to follow after truth. We have to follow Jesus. We, we have to search for truth. And we have to believe Jesus as he reveals himself by embracing his truth and allowing his truth to lead us. And guide us into an overcoming and abundant life that he promised. Amen. So Jesus says, I am. And when he says it, it absolutely blows their minds. And there are many other instances where he reveals himself and he reveals his nature to those that he is speaking to as the one true God manifest in flesh. And for this reason, they wanted to kill him. And, and the degree to which Deuteronomy 6.4 was ingrained in their psyche is evidenced by the extreme level of violence that they oversaw at the crucifixion. Why? Because Jesus shows up in their lives just like he's showing up in your life today. And he makes himself equal with God. And so they feared him, and they hated him, and they did not believe him. That's the introduction. So I want you to imagine being someone who lived during that time. 
You didn't have the benefit of 2,000 years of history. You didn't have the canon of scripture. You didn't have the scholarly studies and the writings determining that Jesus was who he says. You didn't have the witnesses that saw him raised from the dead. You didn't know about the stone being rolled away. You were just there in the day. And Jesus walks up and says, I am that I am. Imagine that religious world and listen to this story. There was a man, he found himself in this problematic position for most of his life. There was, there was no fix. No doctor could fix it. He was helpless. He was stuck. There was no cure. I don't know. There was no way out. He was hopeless. So every day, he found himself in a similar position in front of a market on the side of a road. He was in and around the synagogue. He would, he would ask whoever he encountered, can you spare some change, a, a little food, you know, hey, I'm in need over here. I need help. And, and this was the life of Bartimaeus. And every day he would, he would do the same thing over and over again. But, but the help that Bartimaeus was receiving from those around him, that help required him to return the next day and again the next day. And this cycle that, that Bartimaeus was stuck in was, was brutal. Remember this, anything that you can receive from a man. It may be good for a moment, but it rarely solves the real problem in your heart. It rarely solves the real issue of the spiritual man. It rarely fills the void that is inside of you. Blind Bartimaeus would go to the same spot. Can you imagine every day to the same spot and he would beg from people and after a while they would get tired of seeing him and he would, he would move on and he would find a new place with new people hoping that they would just be a little bit more charitable than last week. So on this particular day in our story, everybody say a new horizon. I think you know where this story is going. Just one more time in your mind, I just want you to imagine that horizon and Jesus coming towards you. He's coming towards you. On this day, he's on the roadside begging for things that would only sustain him for a little while. And sometimes as Christians, we, as leaders, as preachers, as people that have been walking with God, sometimes we find ourselves looking around. And we're trying to figure out what's the next thing that's going to sustain me personally. What's the next thing I can get in my life that's going to sustain my ministry? Or what's the next thing that's going to help me and sustain my calling? We, we read books and we listen to podcasts and, and we try to figure out how others are living for God so well. And, and, it, and, it, and it works for a little while and then we are on at a new year. We're on to the next, the new thing. What's getting the best results this week or this month or this year? And sometimes as Christians, and you may feel this in your heart at the beginning of this year, we exhaust ourselves with things that don't really sustain us and they don't really truly change our life in the long run. And Bartimaeus found himself in this cycle of, well, you know, that worked today and, and, and that worked on Sunday, but now it's Tuesday and now it's Thursday and I'm hungry again. I'm, I'm hungry and, and I don't have enough and I need more. And so he found himself on the side of the road begging. And then all of a sudden he heard the clamor. And he heard the excitement of the crowd. And it was different. This was a different crowd. This was a different noise. This was a different sound. It's a different sound when Jesus is showing up in your life. 
It's a different sound when you get in the presence of God. He heard this and he heard the crowd walking and talking and coming closer and he he knew that something was happening. It sounded different. Somebody told him it's, it's Jesus of Nazareth. He, he's coming down the road. He just came over the horizon. And, and today, if there's a weary person, and I know there is, you know how I know? I can see your face. There are weary people in this room today that have needs. And you may have heard what Jesus has done for others around you and what God has done in their life. But today, it's time for every person that is desperate, every person in need. It's time for you to have your own encounter, to receive your own miracle, to have your own experience. It's time for you to experience the more or all that Jesus promised to those that seek the kingdom of God. Amen. So Bartimaeus, he begins to think to himself, he begins to think, and I know this can be preached better, but he begins to think to himself. He says, if, if, if Jesus has done all that I've, I've heard about, then, then, then why can't he do it for me? Why can't Jesus do it for me? So the crowd begins to get closer, and with all the faith that he could gather and muster, he cries out, and you know this line. He says, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. We sang it this morning, and it was powerful when we sang it because there's something in us that knows we need the mercy of God. Amen. These nine words that are spoken in humility are probably the most powerful words that you can speak this morning in the presence of a Jesus that is walking towards you. What would happen if you started this year in a position of humility? What if you recognize, what if this church recognized that we need more of God's mercy now than ever before? Listen, whatever happens in your life this year, it's going to happen because God is merciful. I'm going to say it again. Whatever great things happen in your life, it's going to happen because God is merciful. Whatever great things transpire in this church this year through this ministry, whatever miracles, whatever signs and wonders, whatever guests walk through the door, new families coming in, baptisms, people being filled with the Holy Ghost, whatever takes place in this room is going to happen because God is, everybody say he's merciful. We're going to experience more this year. We're going to, I'm going to experience, I don't know what y'all are going to do, but I'm going to experience more this year in God than I ever have in my life. But it's only for one reason, because I feel like Jesus is coming down my road. You are going to experience something in God even today. Those that want it, I promise you, those that want it, you're going to be blessed today. But you are going to experience because Jesus decided. I think I'm going to take that road right there. I see those people at that church, and I think I'm going to head down to that church this morning. I'm going to walk up, and I'm going to walk by them, and I'm going to see what they're made out of. And so Jesus is passing by. He's passing by. In reality, he's always passing by. Like he's, just all, he's always there. He's always there. He's passing by, and I think that it would be in our best interest. I think it would be in your best interest at some point if you came today broken, if you came today, maybe there's some issues in your family. I don't know. 
I don't know you at all. Never preached here before. Just met you. I don't know who's in this room. But it would be in your best interest. If you feel broken in your heart like we do. If you feel down in your spirit like we do. If you look back at 2023 and you're like, I want to be released of everything that happened to me last year. If, if you find yourself just constantly men of God, if you find yourself going back to the same things, maybe the things of the world, to fill a void that's in your heart, I've got news for you. Jesus is not denying you today. He's coming down the road. He's coming over the horizon, and it would be in your best interest and my best interest at some point today before we leave to shout out, to cry out, to speak it out, Jesus Thou son of David, come on, say it with me. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Let's say it again. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy. Come on, in humility, say it. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Grab your spouse's hand. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on our family. Come on, grab your child, your young person. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on my young people as they go to school. Come on, say it. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Humility. Abased. Broken. Helpless. In need, Bartimaeus cries out, and guess what? People tried to silence him. Not now. No bother, Jesus. Don't trouble him. And, and, and you know this, and it's been preached a thousand times. Every time Jesus gets ready to do something in your life, there's going to be a voice of opposition. The enemy comes in even to the house of God, among the people of God, and he is trying to work in your heart. He's trying to speak into your mind. This is not for you today. And he's, he wants to convince you to walk out of this place and let Jesus pass by without you getting what you need from him. Bartimaeus, he cries out. And they said, hey, it's for others, man. It's not for you. But there was just something about this man. Maybe one of the guys will look up when we get to heaven. Hey, man, tell me that story. What happened, man? We preached about that for 70 years. I heard it all the time, man. Tell me about that day. Something rose up in this man. It's that same spirit of faith that moves the immovable. That same spirit of faith that believes for the impossible. And I wonder if that spirit is in this room today. I wonder if that spirit is in this room today. Maybe it's buried deep in the pain of a life. Oh, God. Sometimes that spirit, that little faith is sometimes buried deep in the pain of a life that is not going the way that you expected it to go. I wonder if there's someone in this room that will speak it out. I, I, I got to have more. I got to have more. I need more. And I'll cry out for his mercy until I receive it. Bartimaeus said, I won't be silenced. And so he cried out again. He said, have mercy on me. And as the words fell from his lips one last time, Jesus turns and the faith of a poor, helpless, but now full of hope, blind man, stopped Jesus in his tracks because God always responds to faith. So I wouldn't leave today if I were you without asking God for something big. Jesus turns and he says, bring him to me. And now he's standing there and Jesus says, what can I do for you? And that's where Bartimaeus rose up and he made the 
the big ask. He didn't think about a bunch of stuff, money, whatever it was. He knew what he wanted. And, and I wonder what your big thing is today that you're going to ask God for. Don't ask him for something small. Ask him for something big that if God actually did it to everybody around you, it would blow their mind and they would know that it was a miracle from God. What are you going to ask God for today? He's coming over the horizon. He's coming your way. Don't waste your shot. Don't waste another opportunity. Somebody said it earlier. This may be our last day. Bartimaeus knew what he needed. He, he didn't waste it. He blurted out that I might recover my sight. That I might recover my sight. I want something back that I used to have. And Jesus, I love this. I, I, I'm, I'm inferring this. But he, he just said, oh, easy, done, done, easy. I said, oh, that's it? You just want your sight? That's all? That's it? The biggest thing you can ask God for today, he says, that's it? Somebody said, he'll do exceedingly, abundantly, above all, above more, above everything, all, all you can ask or think or imagine according to the power that is working inside of you. And Bartimaeus is healed instantly. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And Bartimaeus sees everything. Men, women, children, people trying to get close to Jesus. Everything that he can take in in a glance. But the most important thing he sees standing right in front of him. I, I love to just imagine these stories and really read them and imagine what it was like. The most important thing he saw standing right in front of him is Jesus. Jesus. He's standing in this room today. I, I almost feel like he's circling back around. Because I know how the spirit of God operates. He was in this room working. On that fourth or fifth song we did, God wasn't, people were crying and praying, but God loves us. You may have missed it the first time. You may have thought, well, this is just an ordinary service, and maybe you were too weighted down. But he circled back around, he's coming your way, and Bartimaeus is standing there. Right in front of him is Jesus. Eyes are full of love. Eyes full of love, full of compassion. Jesus, eyes full of grace. Jesus, eyes just, just full of mercy and full of power and full of healing. And, and when you looked at him, you could see redemption in flesh. Restoration. It's God manifest in flesh. And then Jesus walks away. Jesus walked away. Bartimaeus is left standing there. Jesus moves down the road. Jesus is continuing his journey to help the next person to seek and save the lost. Bartimaeus had to decide, am I going to just experience Jesus here in this moment where, where, where to be honest, he had experienced more than he'd ever experienced, more than he had ever hoped for. He got it. Like he got what he needed. Or am I going to take the next step of faith? And the story ends with these words in Mark chapter 10, verse 52. Bartimaeus followed Jesus in the way. He decided, I'm going after Jesus. I'm, I gotta have more. I, I have to have more of the one that gave me more than I ever thought was possible. I have to have more of Jesus. <coughs> Everybody else that received a miracle, you, you can do what you want. 
But I've got to have more of Jesus. I've got to have more of Jesus. And I sense that in the hearts of men and women in this room, there are people that if you could position yourself in humility and tell yourself if Jesus did it for that family or for that person, he can do it for me today. My children can be saved. My parents can be in this church. My, my, my spouse can receive the Holy Ghost. My, my life can be turned around. He can lift me from despair. He, he can heal me of anxiety. He, he can move in, in my family if he did it for them. Will you find yourself in a place of humility? Stand with me today. Sometimes, sometimes we think Jesus is walking away from us. But Jesus... Sometimes it's just wondering, I wonder if they're going to follow me. Think about it. We, we come to the place Bartimaeus. We come to that place. How many have been to that place where Bartimaeus was? Would you lift your hand? How many have had him completely revolutionize your life? Jesus walked away. And Jesus is wondering if you are going to walk after him and follow him today. The beginning at of this year, the decision that needs to be made every day. I want to live with the heart that says the miracle that he performed, maybe when I first met him, the experience that I had on the side of the road, the mercy, the salvation, even the ministry that God enables me to do, all of that, it's not enough. I'm going to follow him this year. I'm going to, I'm going to walk with him this year. I'm going to, I'm going to talk with Jesus and I'm going to hear his voice, and I'm going to listen to his truth. I want more of him every day. We're going to pray that. There's always room for more. There's, there's, there's room for more than the miracle you're about to receive. Some of you, your heart's going to be touched today. Whatever it is God's going to do, he's going to meet the need. But there's more than the miracle that's in this room today. There is another level. There's something deeper. There's another moment. There is a relationship with God that has to be put first. And it has to mean more than anything else. And Bartimaeus figured it out. He didn't go home like we do satisfied with an emotional release and we feel for a few moments on a Sunday like wow I can make it Bartimaeus figured it out in a split second and he said that's amazing and if he did it that quick there's got to be something more and he followed Jesus because he wanted more there's always room for it so it's simple and we're going to pray this right now around this altar we're going to pray with one another. We're going to cry out as a church. God is going to do his work. The spirit of God is in this room to do his work. The spirit of God has an agenda in your life today. Will you submit to it? There's always room for more. The way to get more this year is to follow Jesus in the way. So all I've come to do, and I know this has been so simple, is just to point you back to Jesus. He's the more that you really need. He's the more that you're after. And if there's anybody in this room, if you, would be, if you would be humble enough to raise your hand and say, I want to experience him in the way. I want to experience him. Is there anybody that would be humble enough to approach this altar and respond to the word of God and say, I have just enough humility to, to let it be known that I want to experience Jesus on the way, in the way, as the truth. And I, I need that abundant life that he promised.
Come on this morning. It's, it's easy. It's so easy. The path away from Jesus is hard, but the path back to Jesus is so easy this morning. He's here in this place. He's passing by. He's ready to give you more. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Call out to him. Seek him. Ask him for more. Come on, church. Let's respond. Let's respond. Let's respond. I know there's more people than this. Come on. Let's respond, God. I've got to have more of you this year. Come on, he's passing by. He's passing by. He's passing by. The only thing that's going to move him today is your faith. The only thing that, not, not, he doesn't work in pity. He works in faith. He works in faith. Lift up your voice and cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Lord, I Come on, that's it. Lift up those hands. Lift up that voice. Come on, men of God, lead your families. Men of God, lead your families. Lead your families right now in the name of Jesus. We pray, Lord, for more. 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 Give us what we need. Have mercy today. Have mercy today. Have mercy today. Come on, somebody cried out right now. Somebody cried out right now. Have mercy. Come on, lift up those hands all over this room. Lift up those hands. Come on, lift up those hands. The mercy of God is in this place. The mercy of God is in this place. The mercy of God is in this place. The Spirit of God is in this place. The Spirit of God is in this place. Will you receive Him? Will you call out to Him? Will you say, Lord, I need you? thought just keeps coming to me we always preach the negative side we always preach the negative side of the crowd it's just our nature like it's easy to see the negative and that crowd man they, they tried to stop the old boy it's not for you they tried to silence him right that's so negative that's so ugly that's so that's so unlike God but the church is supposed to be different this is supposed to be a place where the Spirit of God moves freely and operates in our life and the Spirit of God flows through the body of Christ, the love of God shed abroad in our hearts. And instead of being like those ugly people that day that just said, no, 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 what could happen? 
what could happen if this church right now in this moment, because we're not yet to the place where God wants us to be, what if in this moment we did the opposite of what they did and you turned around and you said, oh, I heard you praying and I want to bring you closer to Jesus. Come on, big boy. I want to bring you up here. Hey, Jesus, this is Colton. He's got a need and I know you can meet it. And then you step back and you begin to pray for Colton. Instead of pushing people away or not being concerned with their needs, what could happen in the body of Christ if you turned around and you got outside of yourself and you said, hey man, Jesus can do it for you. I heard you crying out and I want you to know that he can do it. Let's do that right now as they sing. Turn around, find somebody to pray with, say, hey, it's for you. Come on, husbands, pray with your wives, children, young people. Let's pray. Pray with somebody. Oh yes. Come on, it's for you. 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 Jesus is for you. 